we've been tracking with this series called uh, Heroes. And um, we're looking at the Old Testament characters um, in the Bible. And um, we're looking at them from the perspective of faith. And, you know, Paul says to us, we don't live by sight as Christians, we live by faith. You know, by faith is one of these key phrases throughout um, the New Testament narrative. And uh, so, you know, we walk this Christian faith not seeing God with our physical eyes, but we walk with our spiritual eyes, so to speak, having faith in our hearts, assurance of what we do not yet see. And, um, you know, Hebrews chapter 11 gives a whole list of these, these biblical characters, these ancient heroes who did things by faith, and um, they can inspire us to do things by faith today in our 21st century modern lives. And so we're looking at these characters and their lives and what inspiration we can take from them. And so I think there's been about three or four different speakers throughout August, and um, today uh, we've got two more weeks of the series. Today we've got like a tag team preach going on, which is going to be exciting throughout the whole day. Six different speakers, I think, across the day, which is cool. And um, then next week, I think Sean Salomon is going to uh, finish us off um, talking about someone. But I'm going to kick us off today with um, our first speaker. Um, you will know him. You will love him. It's Gareth. So why don't you give Gareth a hand as he comes and shares with us. Morning, everybody. Uh, we're going to look at 1 Samuel 14, and in the Blue Bible, it's on page 271. Um, but my name is Gareth, and I've been the pastor of St. Paul's for nine years. I'm married to Michelle, and I have three children, Abigail, Daniel, and Janiah. And I've been asked to speak about a hero of faith, and the hero of faith I've chosen is Jonathan. And the stories of Jonathan are found in 1 Samuel. Jonathan was the son of King Saul, who was the first king of Israel. And in those days, Israel was being led by judges. And the judge at the time was Samuel, and Samuel was a good man. He was a man that sought God and followed God. But the Israelites decided that they wanted a king to lead them. But Samuel said to them, you don't need a king, you've got God who's leading you. God is your king. But they said, no, no, we want a king. So King Saul was put in charge for an incredible series of events. And that is where we meet Jonathan. Jonathan arrives, and he's just attacked a group of Philistines. But King Saul has decided to take all the credit for it. And he's decided to make war against the whole of the Philistines. So the Philistines respond and they bring their whole army down. And according to the Bible, it was as numerous as the sand on the seashore. So it's a massive army. And when the Israelites saw this, they panicked. And they ran and they hid. And they were scared and they were afraid. Some decided to join the Philistines and start fighting against the Israelites as well. And the Philistines began to take over everything. They were in control of the whole country. And the only two weapons that were left were in the hands of Jonathan and in the hands of Saul. And this brings us to chapter 14, which is what I'm going to quickly read now. Now, a detachment of Philistines had gone out from the pass at Mishmash. One day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor-bearer, Come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah, under a pomegranate tree in Migron. With him were 600 men, among whom was Ahijah, who was wearing an ephod. He was a son of Ichabod's brother, Atibu, son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh. But no one was aware Jonathan had left. 
On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozes and the other Sena. One cliff stood to the north in Mishmash and the other towards the south in Geba. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of the uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by few or by many. Do all you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. Jonathan said, come on then, we'll cross over towards them and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up, because that will be the sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost and looks at the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes that they are hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up here and we will teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. Just going to say a quick prayer. Father, we just ask for your help right now. That you'll speak through me and just give us ears to hear and a heart to hear your word. In your name. Amen. So there's three things in this story I just want to share with you quickly that will hopefully challenge us, but also encourage us. And the first thing that I saw about Jonathan was Jonathan's desire to draw closer to God. Jonathan, right at the start of the story, is hiding with his father, and he's hiding with 600 men in Gibeah. But Jonathan's heart was to draw closer to God. And he realizes that staying in this current place would not bring him closer to God. So he gets up and he leaves. Jonathan knew that he had to find his strength in God and not in the things around him. But in doing so, he has to leave a lot behind. He leaves protection, he leaves provision, he leaves family, and he leaves friends. But he realized that staying with his father and under the protection of these men would not bring him closer to God. But we need to know what the king is doing. The king who's picked this fight is hiding. The king is nowhere to be seen. And we get an idea of what Saul's doing. Saul's hanging out with a group of people, and one of them is Ahijah. And he's this priest wearing this ephod. And the ephod was used by priests to communicate with God, to seek God, to hear from God. We know a little bit about Ahijah's family. Ahijah is the great-grandson of Eli. But Eli's grandchildren were wicked. The Bible says they were extremely wicked. And they used God for personal reward and gain. So they had no need to draw close to God. And despite the circumstances that Saul found himself in, he didn't inquire of God. He didn't seek God. He didn't ask God for help. He didn't draw close to God. So Jonathan got up and left so he could draw closer to God. So important that we draw close to God, that we make God our number one priority in our life. You know, that may mean having to leave things behind that are close to us. You know, and if we do things in our own strength, like Saul, we will eventually fail. When I first became a Christian, I went to YWAM um, and got to spend eight weeks in India. And we traveled around to different villages. And one of the villages we stayed in, this young man shared his story with us. And he was turned to Christ by a pastor in another village. But then he had the tough decision of going home and sharing this with his family. And once he shared it with his family, they said, look, if you carry on going to church, if you carry on reading your Bible, you need to get up and you need to leave. But he decided that drawing closer to God was more important. So his family kicked him out, and he was just made to live in isolation in that village, away from everyone else. But he chose God. Jonathan put God first, despite the consequences of what might happen. Second thing I love about Jonathan is his courage to step out in faith. Jonathan's moved away from his father. 
You know, he's found a new place. He's found a new place where God is. And in verse 6 it says, Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will work on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by few or by many. All around Jonathan is this army that has driven the nation of Israel into fear. But as Jonathan's heart grew closer to God and Jonathan drew closer to God, God began to speak into his life. And he began to make him aware that this enemy that had surrounded him, this enemy that was all around him, was no match for God. Drawing closer to God is so important because we get a heavenly view on life. You know, as Israelites looked up to the mountains, all they saw was an enemy. But when Jonathan began to look up, he saw what was written in Psalm 121. It says, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from you, Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And he steps out in faith. He steps out in faith that God is going to deliver him from these enemies all around him. And it wasn't easy. We're told he had to climb up on his hands and knees. And all the while, this enemy is shouting down at him, shouting down about what they're going to do to him. And I struggled massively with this recently. I was struggling a lot with work, and I just began to doubt that God had a plan for my life, that God had no need for me, that God wouldn't come through for me. You know, I struggled so much, and I would begin to hear these voices. Every day I'd wake up before I'd go to bed, just voices that, no, God's not there for you. But my wife, Michelle, she kept saying to me, you've got to get up, and you've got to start declaring the promises of God of your life. And you've got to start climbing. You know, I don't know what voices you're hearing right now, but I encourage you, draw close to God. Ask God for scriptures to speak over your life. And then start declaring them over your life when you wake up in the morning. When you're going through the day, just declare those scriptures. We had that song a minute ago, Who the Sun Sets Free is Free Indeed. Just declare that. Listen to the music. My connect group was a massive help. You know, every time we met, they would pray over me. It was just such a blessing to have. You know, just declare those scriptures and keep climbing. In the summer, we went to Italy. We went to a place called Lake Idra. And it's probably one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. It's a beautiful lake surrounded by mountains. And one morning, I decided to climb one of these mountains. And I told Michelle I'd be gone for an hour. <laughs> and, I, and I reached this viewing spot. And I could see the village, and I thought I was nearly home. But the path suddenly led me away. And this walk that I thought would take an hour was now approaching three hours. Um, and the walk became difficult, it became steep. But as I was climbing, I was reminded about Jonathan. And I was reminded about Jonathan's climb, that it's not always going to be easy, but you have to keep going. And I reached this fork in the road of this climb, there was five options. There were two that were going away, and I wasn't going to choose them. There were two that were going down, I was like, I want to go down. But there was one that was pointing up, and I felt the need to keep climbing. So I carried on, I carried on climbing. And I eventually get to the top, and there's these incredible views at the top, these beautiful views. And I looked up one more time, and there right in front of me was a cross. And immediately I was reminded about the victories that God has given me in my life, and just that God has victory over everything in my life. Jonathan climbed to the top of the mountain, and as soon as he got to the top, the enemies fell before him. You know, we need to remember that there's an enemy that comes to steal, it comes to kill and destroy. But Jesus came to give life and to give life to the full. God will rescue us. Doesn't always happen the way we want it or how we want it, but he will come through. And my final point, the bit I love most about Jonathan, is Jonathan's heart for others to know God. In verse 12, it says, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me, the Lord has given him into the hand of Israel. When we draw close to God, when we begin to step out in faith, our heart begins to grow for those around us. Jonathan's heart and prayer was for his father. 
It was for the people hiding with his father. It was for the Israelites hiding in the cave and it was for the Israelites who had joined the Philistines and were fighting against them. You know, his heart that was that they would understand who God was, that they would begin to step out in faith for the things of God in their lives. And that's what happened. As Jonathan climbed up, the enemy started to flee. It says in the Bible, it says those Hebrews who were hiding, those Hebrews who had joined the enemy, those Hebrews who were with King Saul got up and joined the fight. When you step out in faith and begin to believe God for the things in your life, you'll get a victory in your life, but it'll have a knock-on effect and other people will get a victory in their lives as well. But it's so important that we take that first step to draw close to God and then that second step of stepping out in faith. But if we don't put God first, something will take the place of God. And if we look at Saul's life, Saul wanted the glory. In Saul's first battle, he stands up and he declares, the Lord has delivered Israel. You know, today, the Lord has done it. But he slowly steps away from God. And at the end of this story, if you carry on reading on, as soon as Saul sees the confusion in the army, he wants to know who's left the camp. When Jonathan first left, he didn't care less who had gone. But he wanted to know. He then decides to get the ephod and inquire of God about what he should do, which he should have done at the very beginning. But before God can answer, before God can speak to him, he then gets up and starts chasing the Philistines and fighting them, all because he wants the glory. I told you the story about the guy in India at the beginning and the remarkable thing, he started to step out in faith and he started to believe God for his family and those around him. You know, that his family would begin to join him and slowly one by one of his family members, he had a big family, they began to be kicked out of the house, give their lives to Christ and live with him until all but one family member was living on their own and everyone else was living with the brother. So my encouragement to you today is one, draw close to God. Two, step out in faith. And three, pray that God will give you a heart like Jonathan's for those around you. Thank you. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Gareth. That was, that was fantastic. Feeling encouraged, feeling stirred. Um, that was brilliant, wasn't it? I hope you got those three points down. I love Jonathan. He's such a great character in the Bible, isn't he? Absolutely brilliant. Um, well... Our second speaker is Joe's wife, who she will, I'm sure, introduce herself a little bit more to you. Um, but why don't you welcome to the platform Sarah Wells? Thanks, Simon. Hi, everyone. Um, my name's Sarah, or Joe's wife, as uh, I sometimes get referred to. Thanks, Gary, for sharing so well on Jonathan. What a cracking um, story! Another great hero of the Old Testament. I've chosen Esther as my hero, or heroine, um, as the Old Testament. Um, I think the story of Esther is such a great story, and there's so many things in that story which we can learn from. It's a story of strength and bravery, and I think all of us really want to be strong and brave, don't we? Even when often we're not very strong and brave, or often when we don't feel very strong or brave. But this is the story of a courageous young queen who risked her life to serve God and save her people. Um, I'm not going to read the whole story because it's eight pages long and we'd be here all day. But I am going to quickly read a short passage from Esther chapter 4 from verse 9 onwards. So this is when Esther's older cousin is trying to persuade her to help a situation, to step into a situation and get involved. Um, and I'll explain a bit more of that situation in a moment. It says, 
Habak went back and reported to Esther what Mordecai had said. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, all the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that he be put to death. The only exception to this is for the king to extend the gold scepter to him and spare his life. But 30 days have passed since I was called to go to the king. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. So Father, we thank you for this story. We thank you for Esther. We thank you for the powerful and amazing things that you did through her. And we just ask that you um, inspire us this morning and speak to us through this story um, and help us to be more like you. Amen. So yeah, Esther, she lived in ancient Persia about 100 years after the Babylonian captivity. So that's the kind of context that she was living in. And Esther and her family were Jewish. And at the time, Jewish people weren't really liked by the Persians. They, they had to live in exile and they were treated really, really badly. Esther was an orphan, so she was raised by her older cousin, Mordecai. I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but we'll go with that. Um, and the king of Persia um, wanted a new wife. And the way he decided he'd get a new wife was to put on this huge beauty contest. Um, and the winner of this beauty contest would naturally become his new wife. Not the kind of most standard way of finding yourself a, a new wife, but, um, and a little bit shallow in my opinion, but he's the king, he can do what he likes. Um, so he put on this, this beauty contest, and women from all over the kingdom were there at this contest. But there was only one the king wanted, and that was Esther. She must have been a pretty good-looking girl. She was, she was beautiful. Um, and God gave Esther favor in the king's eyes. So the king took Esther for his wife. Now, the king did not know that Esther was Jewish. And Esther decided, I'm not going to tell him because um, I don't really know what will happen. So she kept that secret from the king. Enter a not very nice guy called Haman. Also, don't know if that's how you, spell his, how you pronounce his name. Um, but this nasty, nasty piece of knitting um, worked for the king. He hated the Jewish people. And he, he brings this plan to the king to kill all of the Jewish people. And he, he manages to get the king to agree with his plan. Esther cannot stand the thought of her own people just being wiped out. Um, but she didn't really know what to do. She's in a pretty difficult situation because... 
She wants to do something, but she can't just walk straight up to the king and confront him about it. In fact, nobody can just approach the king like that. It says, as from the scripture we heard, any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, um, the king has but one law, they are put to death. So it's kind of like, should I get involved and help? But I might die. So it's like, what do I do? Bit of a tricky situation. Mordecai says to her, as we heard, if you remain silent, um, you and your father's family will perish. Who knows that you have come to a royal position for such a time as this? What a, what a power statement. And she knew, Esther knew she was a child of God. She trusted God. And so after praying and fasting for three days, she boldly went to the king to speak to him. And the nobles and guards couldn't believe what they were seeing. She just bravely marches up to the king and approaches him. And Esther asked the king if she can make a request. The king agrees, and Esther asks for a banquet um, where she plans to tell him that you can't just wipe out all of my people. So the king agrees, and at this banquet, the moment comes when she should tell him, but she's still really fearful. She's still, you know, her life is on the line. And of course, she's probably a little anxious about the outcome. It's her cousin, Mordecai, who encourages her, calls her on, and reminds her that what God says is more important than her fears and doubts. What God says is more important than our fears and doubts. So Esther pleads with the king to cancel the plan, and she actually admits, she, she tells him that she's Jewish. And the king is really moved by her request. He agrees to what's being asked of him. He immediately gets rid of Haman, the bad guy, ironically by hanging this man in the gallows that Haman had set up to kill Mordecai. So that one came back to bite him, didn't it? The king then cancels the plan to wipe out the Jewish people. And he gave all Haman's wealth and property to Esther and Mordecai. He signed a decree to protect the Jewish people and keep them safe. Job done. The Jewish people were saved. All in a day's work for Esther. What a hero. Um, that's a kind of fast-forwarded version of the story, but hopefully shorter than me reading out eight pages of the Bible. So we've got this beautiful yet humble girl raised by an older cousin who saves a generation through her bravery and through her trust in God. And I, I really like this story because it beautifully illustrates how God can use anyone for his plan, um, and how we can fight our fears and lack of faith in order to bring glory to God. And there's just five really quick things that I wanted to share that I think we can learn from the story of Esther. Number one, God uses ordinary people like me and you. He uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Esther was just an adopted daughter of a cousin living in a foreign land. And we are all ordinary people, and yet if we allow God, he uses us and works through us to do amazing and extraordinary things. So that was number one. He uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Number two, Esther knew where her strength came from, and that was from God. Her first reaction when she realized she needed to go and speak to the king 
wasn't a strong one. She wasn't feeling up to it. She was scared. She was fearing for her life. She didn't want to approach the king. She didn't want to risk being killed. What did she do? She prayed and fasted for three days and encouraged others to do the same. So before doing anything, she drew on the supernatural strength from God to bravely approach the king and then save a nation. Esther knew where her strength came from. And are we relying on God's strength in our daily lives? I know I often don't do this. And especially when I'm stressed, you know, whether I'm really, it's really busy at work and I feel really up against it or stressed by a particular situation or scenario or relationship, my natural reaction is not a great one. I tend to rely on my own strength or try to. It doesn't work. Um, and I, you know, I can become a bit of a control freak. Ask poor Joe, he has to live with me. And I try and like control everything and, and try and fix everything. And, you know, I don't ask for help. And I rely on my own strength. And it's not, it doesn't work. But Esther knew that. And Esther relied on the strength from God before she acted. So number two, Esther knew where her strength came from. Number three, when we trust in God, we can step out in faith and fight our fears. We can be brave and courageous like Esther was. There is no doubt that Esther was probably terrified. Like nobody approached the king. Nobody approached the king. And yet she was being asked to do so. She knew that was what she had to do. She was probably really, really fearful. But we know, don't we, love conquers all fear. And no matter how big our fears about a situation, God's love is bigger and can just kind of drown out the fears that we feel. So when we trust in God, he enables us to fight our fears and to be brave and courageous. Number four, Esther uses her position for good. She was reminded, wasn't she, by her cousin, that she may have been made queen for such a time as this. And she used her position as queen to rescue the Jewish people from destruction. She really used her position, her influence, her platform for good. Are we using the positions that we are in, the responsibilities that we've been given, or the situations and circles that we find ourselves in, are we using those positions for good? How are we using our positions that we have found ourselves in, that God has placed us in? So number four, Esther uses her position for good. And then finally, number five, Esther, sp and this is my favorite, Esther spoke out against injustice. She spoke out against injustice. And in this story, we see God's hatred. We see kind of God's heart for injustice. And at this time, it's in the form of racial prejudice and injustice. And Esther was willing to speak out against the injustice that she could see in front of her, despite knowing the risk involved. She said, in Esther 4.16, it says, When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Wow, can you imagine having that level of, yeah, willingness to put yourself on the line for other people? That level of bravery to speak out against injustice and say, that's not okay. So yeah, I just pray that we have God's heart against injustice in our world. 
I have a real privilege of working for a justice organization. It's called CAFOD. It's mainly uh, works against poverty around the world, so in 40 different countries around the world to tackle global poverty and inequalities. But it also speaks out against injustices, whether that's against people and their rights or um, the environment. And I, I love that I get to work alongside people who are passionately speaking out against injustice, whether that's people who don't have access to clean water or um, people who don't have access to education or whether it's people who are really, really being hit hardest by the impact of climate change or whether it's human rights defenders in the Amazon who are literally putting their life on the line to protect the people um, from their area. And they, yeah, they inspire me. They give me a, a stronger sense of wanting to speak out against injustice. And this is God's heart. God is a just God. God is a God of justice. And Esther really was willing to speak out against the injustice that was in front of her. How can we be more like Esther in our own communities and speak out against those injustices that we see in front of us? So I just pray um, this morning that we could be more like Esther whether that's allowing God to use us as ordinary people to do extraordinary things, whether that's knowing where our strength comes from, knowing that our strength comes from God and God alone and relying on his strength and not our own strength, whether that's becoming more like Esther by really trusting God, trusting that God is in control, trusting that God can take away our fears and doubts and instead make us brave and courageous. Whether that's using our position for good, using our influence for good, or whether it's speaking out against injustice, or whether it's all five of those. I know that I, yeah, I want to be more like Esther. I pray for all of us here this morning that we become more like Esther in our courage and bravery and that God would really speak to us through this story. Amen.